Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsandiego.com. So many of my memories as a kid uh, were spent in trees. Um, I loved climbing from the time I could remember. Matter of fact, before I could remember, I hear stories of climbing on top of refrigerators and pianos. And one of my earliest memories is when I was in Phoenix. And I remember climbing in this, this small pine tree in the front yard. And all of a sudden, I remember people beneath me running around frantic. And I, I find out later that my parents couldn't find me. I was so little, and to the point where they had to call the police. And when they showed up at the house, uh, just a little voice coming from this tree, just letting them know, here I am. And, uh, and so that just continued. I remember moving to San Diego and having avocado trees and building a three-story tree house and going to Seaport Village and just climbing these trees. And there's just something about trees that would just draw me uh, to this sense of getting away and adventure. Uh, and similarly in Scripture, we see trees at pivotal points uh, within this story, God's redemptive story of Scripture, specifically in the very beginning of Genesis. We see this at the beginning of Psalms. We see this at the end of the Bible in Revelation. This idea of a tree representing the life that God intended. And so we're going to be looking at Psalm 1 today, and we're going to be looking at the central theme of Psalm 1 is actually about a tree. So Psalm chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf doesn't wither. In all that he does he prospers, but the wicked are not so. But they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So here in this uh, psalm, there is this introduction, not just to a poem, but really this poem is placed in the beginning, along with Psalm chapter 2, to shine light on everything that's going to be coming in the next 148 chapters that are to follow. And there are these these themes of meditating and and focusing on the Torah. There's this theme in Psalm 2 of the coming Messiah. And And the constructors of Psalms place these two Psalms there intentionally to really lay a framework of everything that's to come. And so as you look at this psalm, there are some themes that start to jump out through the poet's analogies that he uses. The first one that we see is there's this contrast between blessing and perishing. The blessed life, this Hebrew word ashrei, which can be translated as, as happy. It can be translated as God is on your side. It's the life that we're craving. And it's contrasting that to the, the wicked life, the one that's being like chaff. It's just being blown away. Now it's interesting to keep in mind that these two contrasting ideas of life, of the blessed life and the perishing life, 
are being written to an audience and it's being recited by an audience that if we were to observe from the outside looking in, looks incredibly painful and broken. They're underneath oppression. As they're singing these songs within their choir, within the temple, within their worship. But here the author's writing says, listen, there's a blessed life to be had. No matter what circumstances that you're going to be going through. And that blessed life looks like meditating on scripture. Which kind of brings up our second theme. That there's this, in, this contrast between Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 of what you meditate on. The word meditate in Hebrew is Hagah. And it's the same word that you'd use for a dove kind of cooing or for a, a bear kind of chewing its food and growling. It's this low grade kind of muttering. And so this word is used for how we are to approach scripture. It's something that in morning and in night we are to be reciting out loud. It's on our lips, it's in our hearts. And so the psalmist, the poet says, we should be taking the word of God and that that should be something that we meditate on, that we recite, it becomes a part of us no matter what's going on around us. And if we do that, we will begin to start having a blessed life. But then it, again, contrasting that of the wicked, it talks about that there are other people who they meditate on wickedness. They meditate on things that will perish and things that will go away. Which really leads to this, this third theme, which is central. Because if you look at the poem, Hebrew poetry is different than kind of our modern Western poetry. Our, our modern poetry is really known for how it rhymes and how it flows. But in Hebrew poetry, they use something called a chiastic structure. Where they take the, the opening lines and the concluding lines are similar. And the next line and the second to last line are, are parallel. And by the time you get to the middle of the poem, you get to the central theme of what the poet is trying to say. With that in mind, what we can see is the central picture that the psalmist is trying to draw our attention to for the blessed life, for those who would meditate on scripture, has to do with a tree. Now what's interesting is that a tree is not something that just the, the psalmists would draw from, but it's actually all woven throughout Scripture. And so I just want to read this to you again about the kind of tree that represents our life when we choose to meditate on Scripture. It says that the person who lives this way is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, but its leaf does not wither. And so I want to just kind of contrast these two ideas. There's, there's a season of fruitfulness, meaning there are seasons of different, uh, different kind of patterns of a tree. Sometimes it's harvest and you can see that fruit. Sometimes you can just see the, the fruit starting to bud and sometimes there's times of pruning. And there's a seasons to this tree, but at the same time it says that the the tree leaf never withers. It's this image of an eternal kind of tree. Where else in scripture do we see an eternal kind of tree? Well, let's look at Genesis chapter 1. I'm sorry, chapter 2. It says that the Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow in the garden, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. But in the middle of the garden, there was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. So here you see a tree with that leaves don't wither right next to a river. So what does the psalmist say? This is what you can be like. This, this imagery of a tree of life. And again, he's writing to people in exile, but he's saying, listen, if you don't forget the word of God, if you let it take root deep inside of you and you haggah, you meditate on it, it will draw you into a place that cannot wither. And yes, there are different seasons that you may be going through, but God's love and faithfulness towards you never changes. And Jesus picks up on this same idea in John chapter 15, when he says, Remain or abide in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, what Jesus is doing here is brilliant. Because Jesus is saying, you have to attach to me. And not only is this an image of a tree, but we, we see in Psalm 1 is that this connectedness to this tree of life imagery has to do with the law or the kind of the Hebrew Bible. Now, what does Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7? He says, I am the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, meaning all of Scripture all this entire book, from old to new, from beginning to end, is pointing towards Jesus, which is why Jesus could say, if you're connected to me, you'll remain. You'll be connected to the vine. And so uh, a challenge for you if you're watching this. In the midst of everything that's going on in the world and our sense of something being terribly wrong, sense of uncertainty of the future and the brokenness of what's currently going on in our world, there is an invitation from Jesus. There's an invitation from Psalm 1 to come and to root ourselves in and to be like a tree that never withers if we choose to Haggad, meditate on the Word of God, which we now know is all pointing towards Jesus. So would we come and abide in Jesus again, to let our lives rest and be rooted into Him, to wake up in the morning and to spend time with Him in His presence. Uh, if we just started um, our new Lectio Divina readings, if you'd like to pick up a journal, send us an email, let us know. We'd love to put one in your hands. But the idea is that we would be like a tree planted by streams of water because we have chosen to live this blessed life by meditating on the Word of God. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Magician's Nephew, has a line and it says, Awake, love, think, and speak. Be walking trees, be divine waters. And the psalmist says we can be like this tree when we choose to root ourselves in, to meditate on the beauty of the Word of God that is pointing towards our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsaniego.com.